Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast, and this week, Ashley and I are sitting down for a special episode. Ashley is going to be interviewing me to give all of you every bit of information you need to know about my journey with fitness and nutrition. We cover everything from athletics as a kid, through high school, college, and into my career as a coach. We talk about how my fitness and nutrition have evolved throughout that time, things I wish I knew back then, and what I really want you to take away from this conversation. We really hope you enjoy the episode, and without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 33, and I am here with Ash. Ash just counted us down into going live, and there's <laughs> a good lying. chance I may keep it in the <laughs> no! recording because it is incredible, and I think all of you deserve to hear it. But, no. Ash, we're back. How was your 4th of July? It was great. How was yours? Well, it was perfect because I was with you, babe. <laughs> oh, gosh. You're trying to make up for keeping the intro. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we were in uh, Lake Chautauqua with mm-hmm. my family. If you don't know where Lake Chautauqua is, think Lake Erie and just southeast of that. Uh, but it was awesome. We got a lot of time with my mom and dad, my sisters, my aunt and uncle, uh, my cousin and his girlfriend. And so it was just good to have a change of scenery. We still worked when we were up there, but... Uh, Got to be out on the water, got to be in the water, we got to get Coda in the water. Yeah, he loved swimming. Oh, he thrived. He went on a boat for the first time. Yeah, he did. He went on the boat. He was on the uh, the floating mat that we had and was just like <laughs> obsessed playing with everybody. He wanted yeah. all the seaweed and leaves but wouldn't jump it in the lake to get them. Yeah, we threw him a few times. He was not a fan of that. <laughs> but it was a good time. Uh, and now we're back in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, living the dream, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, Ash, why don't you tell them what today's episode is all about? Yeah. So we're basically going to go through your story, both oh. fitness and nutrition. Oh, man. Are you excited? I am excited. I haven't told this, the entire story from start to finish in a long time. <laughs> I'm excited to see if I'll learn anything new. Uh, but basically how it's going to go is I'm just going to ask you questions and you're going to tell us about it. Wow, that's complex. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can handle it. Are you ready? Question number one. Um, okay, yeah. I'll, let's do it. I'm ready. Okay, starting with fitness. Have you been active throughout your entire life? Uh, the answer is yes. You know, I was involved in athletics, specifically soccer, from, you know, everyone when they're like at the age of five. Mm-hmm. Or younger, play soccer till they're like eight, and then they drop out of that and go find their their other sports, or they continue with it. So I stuck with it. So I played soccer from the time I was probably three or four years old. I don't even know if three three might be too young. Four years old, all the way through till I mean, I tried to walk on at slippery rocks. So that was probably twenty. I was twenty at that point, maybe. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was kind of like on a whim. <laughs> I just decided one semester that I was going to try to walk on because I knew a kid on the team. And uh, so I just practiced by myself in like the rec center, like on the basketball court uh, every day for like a month. And then I went to the tryout. And now, number one, maybe I wasn't good enough to make the team, but it was not a very good tryout to be able to like represent 
or display your your skills. So I wasn't really a fan of how they did it. But long story short, played soccer from four to twenty. Okay. Um, and then you know I also played volleyball throughout high school and and then recreationally past that. And so I really liked those two sports. Uh, but I was always active, whether it was rec sports or just being outside and and you know, riding bikes with friends or playing kickball or wiffle ball or setting up, you know, whatever it was, taking walks in the woods, building forts, all that good stuff that you do in your kids. So, yeah. um, and I probably did it way past the age where you're supposed to do all that stuff. So <laughs> yes, active my entire life. That's for sure. Okay. And you'd say you started right around the age of five. Yeah. Started around the age of four or five for soccer and then, you know, okay. got onto other stuff later. Um, but in terms of like fitness with that, I, Fitness really didn't come into play, like structured physical exercise, mm -hmm. didn't come into play until probably my junior year of high school. Okay. And now was that like strength and conditioning for soccer? Or uh, what What do you mean by structured programs? Yeah. So it wasn't through the high school and it wasn't through my club teams. It was, mm -hmm. it was somebody that I got referred to and I really can't remember who even referred us there, but... You know, my dad came to me one day and said, like, hey, heard about this physical therapist and this trainer down at P&G Physical Therapy. You should go check him out. So because I was kind of at that point where I just went through a growth spurt sophomore year of high school. So I was just like this uncoordinated, like lanky, tall ass kid mm -hmm. trying to like get back in tune with his body and get my coordination back. And I missed varsity that year because of all that. And I was really upset. So we went there. I started working with this guy named Bill. He used to be the strength coach for the Ravens at one point. Oh, wow. And I don't know how he ended up in Dubois because you know that place is like <laughs> the middle of nowhere in the middle of nothing. Is he still there? No, I don't believe so. Okay. He was really, I shouldn't say really old. He was old at the time. I think he was like 60 when I met him. Oh, okay. But he was doing this out of so a... So probably out retired. Of a, probably. But he was doing this out of a physical therapy clinic. And so I went in and it was the first time I'd ever been to exposed to anything that structured really, you know, prior to that, I thought strength and conditioning or sport performance was what I saw like in the high school weight room, like, like loud music, a bunch of dudes lifting on the machines, <laughs> benching, all that, all that shit. And when I walked into this place, there were no machines. It was very much like think what functional fitness facilities look like now. Mm -hmm. That was basically it. Uh, had a rubber floor. It had a lot of resistance band anchors on the wall. It had like m a couple mini trampolines. It had uh, some PVC pipes. It had some dumbbells, some turf, and it really looked like what you kind of see now being like the thing. And the first thing he did was put me through basically like the functional movement screening or a variation of mm -hmm. that. And from there, he built me a program. And, you know, really walked me through going from this uncoordinated, lanky, <laughs> unathletic kid to really understanding how to move my body, how to move properly, squatting, pressing, pulling, all those things. Okay. Now, did you do that individually or were you with friends? Yeah. So that it was individually. It was not gotcha. with friends. It wasn't with the teams. It was just me uh, doing that on my own. Okay. That's neat. Uh, and then... From there, you said that was like your junior year in high school. Yeah, sophomore or junior year. One of those two. I think okay. maybe sophomore now that I say that. Gotcha. Uh, what was your fitness or activity like in college? Yeah, so after that experience with Bill, 
you know, really prepping for soccer. Eventually I got to a point where I wasn't going to see him as often. And then eventually the clinic closed. And so I needed something and I was getting to the point where school was starting to end and I needed an outlet to kind of focus my efforts, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. And so, so this is still high school you're talking still about. Still high school. Okay. Uh, but the very tail end of high school. And I found P90X. I think my mom might have been doing it at the time. Or maybe I saw it on like late night TV, like on an infomercial. But I found P90X. And at this point now, P90X is kind of like an old thing. And I think people kind of make fun of it. But back then, that was like the at-home fitness thing. Like that was top notch. I'm kind of jealous. Like I wish I went through a P90X phase. It was awesome. Anyway, (laughs) I did it the first time. And saw a lot of results. I mean, that was the first time I truly saw my body. Like, you got more muscular? Yeah, start to adapt. Like, I went from not being able to really see any muscle, like, in my upper body whatsoever, to having a few striations in my shoulder, to being able to, like, see definition in my upper body, period. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing I remember most is when I did P90X the first time, because I did it three times in full. Okay. But the first time I did it, I went from only being able to do five pull-ups to being able to do 19. Whoa. And so I was super pumped. Like, I I loved pull-ups after that. <laughs> and uh, so that was, like, my huge, you know, awesome result from that. And that kind of, like, spurred my whole fitness enthusiast kind of life that, that I'm living now, I guess you could say. That's really cool. Uh did you do P90X while you were in college? Or were the three cycles I think beforehand? those three were beforehand. That's a really good question. I may have done it freshman year of college. So it was early, though? Yeah. Okay. And then now you're at college. Then what did you get into? Yeah, so... This is my favorite phase. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think, interesting, too. It's kind of funny. I started college, and I would bet I was... You know, five ten, maybe maybe five eleven, because I may have been done growing in terms of height. But I probably only weighed a buck forty five to a buck fifty, soaking wet. Guys, that's what I weigh. Just yeah. so you know. <laughs> I mean, the guys, the men listening out there know how small that is. Like five ten, one forty five. I'm a stick. You can go on my Facebook and like be super creepy and stalkerish <laughs> and go way back to the beginning. You'll see my high school soccer photos. Like I am nothing. I am like literally air <laughs> with clothes on it. <laughs> and so I go into college weighing that really not having done anything except P90X. Mm-hmm. So I'd never really been in besides a YMCA, you know, like a legitimate rec center weight room style gym. Mm-hmm. And I just remember going in there and thinking, like, holy shit, I am so little. Like, <laughs> and not Aww. not in, like, a self-conscious way, but just thinking, like, holy cow. Like, I thought I was ripped, but I think I'm just skinny. <laughs> I thought I had these shoulder striations and I can do 19 Yeah, like, I thought, I thought these striations and pull-ups made me big, but <laughs> I'm really just skinny. And uh, so when I figured all that out, <laughs> I started trying to figure out, okay, like, you know, how do I get into lifting? Because mm-hmm. I really, besides what I did in P90X, I didn't know a whole lot. And at the at that exact time as well, I met the guy who would go on to be my roommate for the remaining three years of college. And he had just kind of gotten into lifting or had been lifting somewhat, and but he knew a little more than I did. Mm-hmm. And so 
that year was just kind of me doing research on my own, you know, like Googling best bodybuilding splits, best this, best that, and watching YouTube videos and reading articles on like muscle and strength and T Nation and all these places and asking people in my classes because I was in exercise science. So there was kind of that exposure there. Mm hmm. And it was really just trying to figure it out. And I got into some routines, and I really can't even remember what they were, what they looked like. I just know I lifted with a few different people I had met, got into some different things. And then summer came. So we left school, and I just trained. I don't even, you know, I really don't even remember. I probably trained at the YMCA at home. Mm -hmm. I just did your classic, like, upper body, lower body split routine style stuff. And then we got back our sophomore year. And I remember sophomore year when we came back and I moved in with my roommate. I looked at him and I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, what did you do? Over the summer, he just, like, grew not only in size but got leaner. Like, everything you want. Bigger, stronger, faster, leaner, meaner. Yeah. And uh, he was like, yeah, man. Like, I was lifting with my buddies from home. I figured all this stuff out. And so that was when I started lifting with him. And he really taught me the basics of what he was doing, which I don't even really know if he understood what he was doing yeah, <laughs> or if someone just gave him the program, but he really took me through that. And about halfway through that year, we said to each other, okay, maybe even a couple months into the year at that point, we said, let's, let's lift, let's train for the next year and a half and let's compete in the slippery rock bodybuilding show. Like mm -hmm. the, it was called Mr. SRU at the time. And we were like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. And at this time, I'm still like a buck 55, <laughs> maybe a buck 60. And so we spent that year and a half and fitness became our life. Like every supplement that you thought worked, we were taking. And <laughs> any split routine that was supposed to produce results, we tried it. Anything that somebody told us to experiment with, like in terms of splits and, and different styles of training, we did it. Yeah. We did anything and everything possible. Did you take steroids? We did not take steroids. I was like, how you're saying it is making we, you sound like you took steroids. We did not take steroids. <laughs> now, we did take pro-hormones, which have now been proven not to be effective. They're really just hard on your liver. Oh. But we thought they were effective, so we <laughs> felt amazing. But uh, anyway, over that year and a half, I gained 30 pounds. And you were possibly, really lean. Possibly 35 pounds. But I went from basically sitting around like 160 to right before dieting for the show and prepping for the show, I weighed 205. And so that's, you know, that's like 35 pounds just yeah. over. And so it was what do you crazy. Weigh now? 180 now. Yeah. That's wow. And if that sounds astronomical to anybody listening, you have to understand that number one, I had no, no significant training background prior to that. Mm -hmm. So all of that overload and that exposure produced a lot of adaptation. Mm -hmm. And then two, when we tell people who want to gain muscle that they need to eat, like I was fucking eating. <laughs> I was eating somewhere around 4,500 calories a day, if oh not more. Oh my goodness. I was shoveling it down. I mean, my breakfast was a shake that I made in the blender and I would use whole milk. I would use a cup and a half of oatmeal and then I would put a full pop tart in it, two scoops what? of two scoops of weight gainer, <laughs> scoop of protein, peanut butter, banana. How many calories? It was twelve hundred calories. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so I did that 
pretty much for that entire year and a half, you know, and then we would, you know, we'd do all the stupid stuff, eat large pizzas on Fridays and, and just anything that I could do. I mean, I would get three or four servings at the cafeteria or when we started prepping in our own house, we were just making mounds of chicken and brown rice, right? Because that's what everybody was eating. Yeah. And so it was just a crazy year and a half, just so much experimenting with food and with training and learning probably a lot of false things, yeah. a lot of false information, but also learning a lot about what worked for us as individuals and what didn't. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was really a cool time. And that, that cool. you know, that led to obviously competing in the show and dieting for the show and all those things that went along with it. And number one, dieting for the show was miserable. It is extremely unhealthy for you in terms of the physiological stuff that's happening because of what you're eating and putting yourself through. And then not only that, but competing. So I went from 205 pounds and in 10 weeks I dropped down to 179.5. And in that drop, I went from about 10% body fat, which is what they took me at before I started dieting down to what we estimated to be about 3%. Oh my gosh. And you know, you're completely dehydrated. You're completely just in a bad place physiologically. And so then that night after the show, of course, you're binging on all sorts of foods that you haven't been able to eat for the last 10 to 12 weeks. And us being stupid kids at the time, I mean, I just ate until I was literally sick, until I couldn't move anymore. And that next day I woke up and I weighed 20 pounds heavier than that day getting on the scale before the show. Oh my gosh. I know that doesn't sound believable, but I literally gained 20 pounds in 24 hours. Oh, yeah, that's not healthy. No, not healthy at all. Oh, wow. But it was all worth it. I won first place in my weight class. I got third <laughs> place in my other weight class. And it was a cool experience. You know, you got, got to be on stage, got to do some stuff that was a little different and funky <laughs> and have lots of funny pictures to go along with it. I love the pictures. Because uh, I'm in a Speedo? Uh, yeah, you could tell yourself that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, that's, that's, it's different. That's exciting. Uh, anything else with bodybuilding or the college? Like, I I think real quick, I'll just touch on throughout all of that process because that was junior year, really. Yeah. Did you have a coach? Yeah, we did, but I don't even know how much more, his name was Morgan. I don't really know how much he actually knew and how much was gym science. Oh, okay. Right, But he did help us a lot in terms of figuring it all out. Uh, But with all of that, that junior year, I was still, you know, taking these classes and learning the actual science behind exercise, Mm -hmm. you know, actually educating myself in that way as well. So some of the stuff I knew was probably gym science. Some of it I knew hadn't been proven but at that point, you know, you're listening to this coach who had more experience than you. You're doing these things that your your training partners are doing, and it kind of just gets away from you there. But then, you know, then we moved into senior year, and that's where things really started to change when I stopped bodybuilding, and we get into, like, this next chapter of fitness. Okay. Now, this next chapter, is this CrossFit? It is. <laughs> when and how did you discover CrossFit? Yeah, so I think a lot of our listeners have probably heard me tell some variation of the story. So after I competed in the bodybuilding show in 2012, um, actually it was during the diet leading up to that show. During the diet leading up to that show, 
I remember I was sitting in my dorm room, or not my dorm room, my apartment, and I turned on the TV, and it was ESPN2, and the CrossFit Games were on. Now, back then, the CrossFit Games were not the giant, well-produced display that they are now. It was a, you know, it was a very new, very raw. Uh, there were barely any spectators in the crowd, and what I was watching was the 2011 CrossFit Games. And so at the time, Rich Froning was the lead dog back then. And I remember seeing him and thinking, holy shit. And all the guys, but specifically Rich. Yeah. I remember looking at Rich, Dan Bailey, Jason Khalifa, and I thought, wow, they look like I did on stage. But they are so freaking fit. Yeah. Like, those, those dudes are out there, you know, clean and jerking up. 155 pounds because at the time that was like the written weight for some mm-hmm. of the stuff for the men which now is so light but I was watching and thinking wow like that is what I want I want to have that work capacity I want to look like that and so I told my roommate I said hey when we're done dieting for the show I think I'm done bodybuilding and he I remember immediately he was so negative about it and he said ah, no I don't think so like I don't think you're gonna like that man and so eventually the show ended and I did. I st- I quit bodybuilding in terms of like the actual sport and competing and the style of training. And as soon as I could, as soon as I was back to like functioning shape in terms of my body and not uh, gaining 20 pounds overnight, mm-hmm. as soon as I got things leveled back out, I tried a CrossFit workout and I tried Fran. Mm-hmm. So if people listening don't know, Fran is a benchmark workout in CrossFit. It's for time, 21, 15, and 9 thrusters at 95 pounds for the men 65 for the women and pull-ups and the pull-ups can be kipping and it's done as 21 pull-ups 20 excuse me 21 thrusters 21 pull-ups 15 15 9 9 as fast as you can i didn't even know what a thruster was (laughs) i didn't know what a kipping pull-up was i just had seen the videos of chris spieler doing it on youtube and if you've never seen the the og videos of chris spieler doing this he's doing it in a globo gym like on the pull-up bar that's between the cable machines, he's squatting to a med ball and bouncing his ass off of it and thrusting thrusting the bar overhead. And he, I think he does it in like three minutes, maybe just under. And so it was so impressive but so different from what you do now. And so I saw that video, maybe a couple more, and I went into the gym to try it because mm-hmm. I thought, 95 pounds, that is so light. Like I can squat that for days. I think I did... 21 front squats plus a strict shoulder press followed by 21 like pull-ups. something that looked like a pull-up bar but also looked like a seizure on the pull-up bar. <laughs> and then I did about seven more thrusters and I literally remember saying, this is fucking stupid and I quit. Oh my gosh. And I don't know what brought me back, but a couple days later I was back and I did something else. I can't remember what it was, but it was more of like a classic triplet style CrossFit workout. Mm-hmm. I might have gotten it off of CrossFit.com or CrossFit. I think CrossFit Mayhem was around at the time. And then I showed up again the next day and did something else. And then the next day. And that was it. The rest is history. I just kept u- using CrossFit.com, using YouTube to to figure it out, to teach myself how to do all the movements because there was no CrossFit gym where I was going to school. There were no coaches in like within a two-hour drive. So it was pretty much self-taught. And uh, yeah, the, just fell in love with it. 
That's awesome. Uh, when did you know that fitness was going to be your career? And were there any difficult decisions surrounding that realization? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so it was shortly after discovering CrossFit that I decided that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to coach CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I thought for sure, well, not for sure, I had settled on going to either PA school or med school. Mm-hmm. I went through this period my the fall semester my senior year bouncing back and forth. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So I was just taking prereqs for everything. Mm-hmm. And at one point I thought I wanted to go to PA school. Then I changed my mind and said I wanted to go to med school. Then I decided maybe RD was best. Then I thought about chiropractic. Then I went back to PA. And finally I said, okay, you know <laughs> what? I don't know what I want to do. I talked to one of my professors and he said, hey, you know, why don't you consider teaching? And so I thought, all right, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should teach and be a professor. And so that was kind of where I thought I was going to go. And then I discovered CrossFit. And I remember watching Greg Glassman give the What is CrossFit lecture on YouTube Mm -hmm. and thinking, like, even though he's not a popular guy right now, thinking at the time, this guy is a genius. Like, everything I have learned in my classes leading up to this is pure bullshit. I don't care what the textbooks say. And after, you know, doing the workouts for however long, I think it was four or six months, I said, okay, this is it. I don't want to be a professor. I don't want to be a PA or a doctor. I want to coach. And I want to do it through CrossFit. And so I went and got my level one. I think it was like five and a half months after I started CrossFit. And that was like a life-changing certification just all on its own. It's amazing. And as soon as I got my level one, I never looked back. I was like, this is going to be my profession. I don't care how I have to get there, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Were there any difficult decisions like surrounding that, though? I think just if there were any. I know at one point I had been offered a very coveted internship with Verizon. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the only paid internships through our program that dealt with corporate wellness so every or corporate fitness so everybody wanted it Mm -hmm. and you really had to have a great recommendation to get it and I was fortunate enough to have one of those and so I got that offer and I accepted immediately well about a few maybe a week before that I had applied for an internship at Reebok CrossFit one which is Reebok world headquarters CrossFit gym Mm -hmm. and I had applied because I wanted to have at least a chance and I didn't know what gym to to contact or what to do. So I just Googled best CrossFit gym and they were the first one that popped up. (laughs) Yeah. And so I sent them an email explaining who I was and what I wanted to do and that I wanted to be an intern and I never heard back. And so when I got offered the Verizon internship, I immediately took it. And I think honestly, probably four more weeks went by like an entire month. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden I got a phone call from a guy named Jared Davis and Jared's not with Reebok any, anymore, at least I don't believe. But at the time, he was one of the coaches. And he said, hey, this is Derek. And we had this talk. And he said, hey, we want to offer you the internship contingent upon you coming down and checking it out. And I remember being so pumped. I was like in the <laughs> athletic training room of the rec center because I was talking to one of my friends who worked there. And I was just like fist pumping. And I think I threw my phone up in the air. And... At the very same moment, I was like, oh, shit. I have to go to the head of my department who gave me the recommendation to get that Verizon internship 
and tell her that I'm no longer taking it and basically turn her down. And so I went there later that day, told her she was actually completely cool with it, super nice, super understanding, went to Boston, checked it out, worked out with those guys, uh, immediately said yes upon the offer, and that was the end of that. And really, aside from that, it was just, you know, surrender, not, not even surrendering, but just coming to peace with, okay, I might not make the most money with this, but this is what I'm truly passionate about, so I'm going to pursue it. Mm-hmm. So all those applications I had for school, for grad schools, I'm just going to let those go. I'm going to let those slide. So those are really the only tough decisions. Yeah. Was your family supportive of... Yeah, I think they were. I, it's, I have a terrible memory. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they were supportive, uh, especially when I just said, like, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to move to Boston in mm-hmm. two months. And I had just found an apartment on Craigslist. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I found this apartment with these three other people. I'm going to move to Boston to do this internship. And I don't think they batted an eye. I think they're just like, all right, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. And I don't know if they thought it was just like, uh, you know, an adventure mm-hmm. in the beginning. But... uh You know, I'm still doing it to this day, so it definitely wasn't an adventure. (laughs) Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the transition from, like, undergrad to being an intern at Reebok to a full-time coach. Yeah. uh, So that was, I'd say it was a pretty smooth transition. You know, I I graduated, went to Boston. I moved there in June, and I worked as an intern from June until August, the beginning of August. Mm-hmm. And the internship was supposed to last longer, but I just happened to accumulate my hours in a shorter amount of time. Big surprise as a strength coach <laughs> <laughs> or as a trainer working more hours than you need to. And so when the internship officially ended with Slippery Rock, most kids, that was like they were done. They just up and left their internship if they didn't like it or didn't want to be there or just felt like, hey, it's time to go. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even think about it. I was like, I'm going to stay here as long as they let me. Mm-hmm. And so I kept working there f- really full time and I was getting paid. So it was really like my first full time gig, but just at an intern rate. I think I was making $13 an hour. Okay. And, you know, when August rolled around, it was really time for my in- my internship through them to end. And uh, But I had developed a really great relationship with really everyone there. I had met my mentor who to this day is the biggest influence in my fitness career as and my career as a coach and so we were doing everything possible to keep me there and uh, everyone was doing so much to help me out talking to some higher ups and trying to make room in the budget to to make a full-time position for me and eventually we got to the point where they could extend me at my current rate of $13 an hour through January mm-hmm. but they couldn't offer me a salary position and so Austin being the uh, the great guy that he is ended up coming to me after I got that initial extension offer and said, hey, I found a gym. They're looking for a full-time coach. It's going to have a salary. It's going to have benefits. Do you want it? And so, of course, I said yes, went and met the owner, and eventually took that job. And so that led into really me coaching full-time. And so mm-hmm. I spent the next seven or eight months, may have been slightly longer, working in New Jersey full-time as a coach at CrossFit Clue, which unfortunately now is closed, but I worked there. And then from there, I actually went to the Caribbean because I just decided I didn't want to be in New Jersey anymore. I didn't, the owners and I didn't see eye to eye. And so I left that job and decided I was going to take an adventure, Mm -hmm. went to their Caribbean and I coached full time down there. 
And so no matter what I was doing, I was always coaching until eventually I went back and got my master's. Met me. And yes, <laughs> met my future wife, this beautiful woman sitting <laughs> beside me, and continued to coach there. And, you know, now I'm still coaching. So really, the, there was only one transition. It was going from student to full-time coach. Mm-hmm. The internship was so short and but so beneficial uh, but it was really just, you know, here and gone, and it, it went straight to working full-time. Gotcha. Now, with you being in the field for really 10-plus years, how have your views and goals as they relate to fitness changed? Holy cow. it's a big question. Um, so I guess I'll start. I'll try to make this as short as possible and start from the beginning. In college, I really... I really didn't think too deep into the stimulus or intent of the training, regardless Mm -hmm. if it was CrossFit or if it was just bodybuilding. I really just thought, okay, this looks like a well-structured program. Let's follow that and see what happens. It was really test, retest. Test the whatever it was that I was following, see if I got any results. And if I did, keep going. If not, test something new. It was really just, you know, trial and error and... You know, I really didn't have the knowledge base or experience to dive deeper into it. Then as I started coaching full-time, I really just drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid. I mean, I went full bore. All I did (laughs) was study CrossFit.com programming. All I did was spend time learning from my mentor, John Main, who if he's listening, you're still the man. You still got me where I'm at today. And really just full bore commit myself to that methodology. And that probably, I was stuck in that spot. I don't want to say stuck, but I was in that spot or in that frame of mind from 2013, I would say all the way, I mean, probably all the way until 2018 or or 19, you know, when when you first started CrossFit and maybe just before that thing started to shift. Yeah. But I don't know, though. I feel like you were still full on CrossFit for like my first year. All right. So like not for you training, but methodology. So through 18. Yeah. So through 2018. uh, And I still believe it's one of the most effective fitness programs in the whole world. The most Mm -hmm. efficient, effective and fun. And uh, I still think it gets the majority of people what they need when it's done correctly. But what I experienced and what shifted my perspective was my personal experiences of my knees starting to become worse than they had ever been in my entire life due to previous injury. I didn't injure them in CrossFit, but CrossFit certainly made them worse Mm -hmm. with the way I was doing it, not CrossFit, the methodology. And so my personal injuries got worse. I experienced that quote-unquote burnout that we talk about quite a bit now with, with folks and that you see folks posting about online. And... Then I had ex- then I had an opportunity to work as a strength and conditioning coach in the collegiate setting at Pitt and see more of that structured periodization and, and the benefits that that can play. And so I think it was probably around 2019 that I really started to think, okay, I like CrossFit. I like what it does for people and the results it provides, but I think there is probably a better way to do it. I mm-hmm. think there's a way to take what CrossFit does – and tweak it just slightly to allow people to train longer, allow them to move with more purpose, 
allow them to move pain free, Mm -hmm. allow them to recover adequately and better educate them in the process. And so that's probably when ballistic really started to take shape was 2019 and starting to think about how can we incorporate some of these concepts into our own style and our own program. And now where I sit really is what I just described. We're utilizing some of the concepts of CrossFit, some of the concepts of collegiate strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. and then other methods of training to create a program that really allows people to build better health and a better and better physiques with our build program mm-hmm. without breaking down their bodies and really just educating folks as to why they don't need to come in seven days a week, why they don't need to skip rest days, why they don't need to train at such high intensities that they're running themselves into the ground and can't come back the next day. Yeah, like what the stimulus is. Exactly. And so that's really where we sit now, and that's where what I truly believe is going to be our differentiator in Mm -hmm. terms of the market and what is going to help people the most. And what I've experienced myself, you know, I've never felt better besides when, you know, maybe I was a young kid and playing sports and, you know, was pretty much invincible. Yeah. <laughs> than I did in the last year of just doing build and move. Mm-hmm. My, I was, and I was rehabbing my knees at the same time. But, you know, when we first moved to Michigan and I wasn't doing anything except build and move, I felt amazing. My mm-hmm. knees didn't hurt. My shoulders didn't hurt. My, I didn't feel so burnout that I couldn't train without slugging down a pre-workout beforehand. I was getting motivated again. I was enjoying training. I was sleeping better. I was recovering faster. All these positive things were happening, and we hear the same thing f- things from our clients. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a testament to how you really learn through experience and how we've been able to get to this point now. Yeah. I love that. Anything else that you feel like with fitness? I don't think so. That wasn't short at all, but I tried. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good though. I think it's good for everyone to hear like your, your story when it comes to fitness. Um, so now nutrition ready for the first question. Ready. (laughs) When did nutrition first become a priority? Oh yeah. So, uh, this will probably be quicker than the whole fitness spiel. Uh, (laughs) But nutrition, I really started to pay attention to what I was eating. Probably going into my sophomore year of school. You know, I kind of had an idea when I was in high school of what was good, what was, you know, quote unquote good and bad. Uh, But, you know, I was still eating chicken patties and pizza at lunch and, you know, really whatever served in the cafeteria. I was still having, going out to eat and having pizza and cake and all, all that stuff, you know, like complete kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think I was taking it seriously back then. But I remember going into sophomore year of school and we started buying food for our apartment. And like yeah. we didn't even have a full kitchen, but we had enough to where it was like, oh, maybe we should buy a George Foreman grill so we can cook chicken in here. Maybe we should buy some like rice that we can cook in the microwave. And we started paying attention to ways that we can incorporate our own food in with the limited meals that we had at the cafeteria. And so I think that was kind of the beginning of paying attention to what I was eating and being conscious of that. Okay. Uh, But at the same token, we were still going to the cafeteria and getting 
the shittier food. Maybe watching a little bit, but still indulging in the other stuff. And we were still under the assumption that all you really needed to eat quote-unquote healthy was like chicken and brown rice. Yeah, and broccoli. Exactly. And we weren't even eating vegetables (laughs) in the apartment because we didn't want to steam them. So (laughs) that was really the extent of that. And really competing for the show was when I really – and my classes assisted in this, but competing for the show really opened my eyes to quantities of food because we had to weigh and measure everything we ate the entire Mm -hmm. 12 weeks. And so that's where I got at acquainted with the scale with measuring cups with having with ma- yeah with macros really and not necessarily with mac macro percentage breakdowns mm-hmm. like 40 30 30 or any of those things but at least counting calories and ca- and having an idea of where my macros were at right because we had to know how many grams of protein carbs and fats we were eating i was gonna say did you have a goal yeah, we had so we had a goal, but we weren't breaking it down by percentage. Gotcha. We were just breaking it down by grams. Okay. And which doesn't really make sense, but again, that's gym science. So we we were just tracking our grams. Yeah. And not really looking. So there at, was a percentage. You just don't know what it is. Exactly. Yeah. There was a percentage associated with it, but we have no idea what it was because yeah. it was all based off a total number of calories, but we didn't look at percentages. Gotcha. And so that was really where all that got introduced. When that was over, I didn't want to touch a scale for a long time. And so I, I watched what I ate. I made sure I was eating lean meats, very limited vegetables, because I'm not a huge vegetable guy, as you know, Ash. <laughs> and, but I was eating you know, sweet potatoes and all those things. So I was trying. <laughs> and then I'd say it really got serious after I discovered CrossFit and I moved to New Jersey to take my first full-time coaching job. I started The Zone. And I've told you this story before, but the zone is basically like the most complex version of macros <laughs> possible. You have to do a lot I of literally could never do it. You have to do a lot of math for really no reason. <laughs> and they break it down by what are called blocks, and every block has so many grams of of protein, fat, and carbs. And so I calculated it all out and I weighed and measured everything I ate for well over a year and a half. And now I wasn't 100% strict. Like if I wanted to go out and eat at a restaurant, I just went out and ate at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And if, Or if I wanted that slice of pizza, I ate that slice of pizza. I wasn't a psychopath. But I did want to 90% of the time be aware of what I was doing mm-hmm. and what I was putting in my body. Well, eventually I couldn't do that anymore. I was completely tired and sick of it. I got great results from it. I stayed extremely lean. I felt great in the gym. Uh, I loved the way my body looked. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was tired of trying to be that guy. And so I stopped weighing and measuring again. And from there, really until now, I really just weigh my protein. I'll weigh out my protein and everything else I just eyeball. Yeah. I'm just laughing laughing? because I'm thinking like it all changed when you met me. I introduced balance to your life. You really did. I was so You mean a pint of Ben and Jerry's and pizza every weekend when we first started dating wasn't what you were doing beforehand? No, I I was so strict before we met and then it was just like fat kids unite. (laughs) Hey, I Uh, love it. Yeah, Um, I did love it too. But I was going to ask you like... Is there any differences between high school, college, and the real world? But I feel like you kind of just went through that. Yeah, it was, you know, really those things that I mentioned. Eating whatever I wanted in high school, 
thinking I had an idea in college <laughs> and then in the real world through experience discovering what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, with nutrition, how have your views changed or evolved over the, again, the last like 10 plus years? Yeah, that's crazy to think I've been somewhat mindful of what I've been eating for over 10 yeah, years. We're getting old. Uh, but obviously my views have changed in terms of what's appropriate and what's adequate for not only myself, but like the majority of the population. Yeah. And honestly, like the entire, I think, nutrition landscape and industry has changed during that time as well. And oh, so yeah. That, you know, that's what's aided in my changes in perspective. But, you know, really it went from the all or nothing principle of like, okay, I'm going to weigh and measure every single thing I eat. And that's the only way to get superior results. And mm-hmm. that's what's necessary. And that's what I believed everyone needed at one point to understanding that the large majority of the population, and that's me, you, that's everyone listening to this podcast, needs to focus on eating real nutrient-dense foods 90% of the time, need to develop healthy, sustainable habits, and need to... I'm trying to... think what my last point was my mind just went blank it'll come back to me but (laughs) those two things alone eat real Mm -hmm. nutrient dense foods and develop healthy sustainable habits oh i was going to say embrace balance okay those three things are probably the most important at least in my opinion and then everything else falls into place and is sort of a progression you know like once you can start eating real food okay then we can talk if it's your goal to improve your body composition, then we can talk about quality and, or excuse me, quantities of food mm-hmm. and weighing and measuring. Then we can talk about getting even more into those like higher metrics and looking at our fiber intake, our you know these higher level things that most people don't need to be concerned about. Our vitamin, even our vitamins and minerals, and so it's this linear progression and this stepwise progression that everyone is on but not everyone needs to go the full length of it either for some people just quality of food is good Mm -hmm. for others they need to weigh and measure based on their goals for other people they need to learn not to be a psychopath and eat the cake and the pizza and the ice cream on occasion and not feel guilty and ridden with anxiety so there's different ways to win for everybody yeah absolutely i totally agree uh, what do you wish you would have known about fitness and or nutrition 10 plus years ago when you first started? Hmm. That's good. It's like, what can future Derek go back and tell <laughs> past Derek to yeah. help him watch out? Uh, number one, I would say tell, I would tell myself that pro hormones and all the other supplements that I've wasted all my money <laughs> on do not work. <laughs> Uh, so that would probably be number one and they just probably hurt my kidneys for no reason or my liver for no reason. Number two, I would tell CrossFit Derek that fitness doesn't define him and that you need to slow down (laughs) because I cared too much about fitness and I trained way too heavy, way too fast, way too often and beat the shit out of my body. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that I wish I knew back then was 
I wish I would have known how to train the way I do now as a high school athlete. Oh, I totally relate. Because I would have, I, and this is not even being conceited or cocky or arrogant. I know for a fact I would have been 10 times the athlete I was. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I think those are probably the three. That's super interesting. I like those. Um, any other thing with fitness or nutrition or fitness? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, what do you want listeners to take away from your fitness and nutrition journey? Yeah. Okay. That's a good question too. (laughs) Even though I wrote some of these out, I didn't think about the answers necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my takeaways for anybody listening, uh, we'll start with nutrition first. Like I just mentioned, it's not about being all or nothing. It's not about perfection. It's just about consistency and it's about, you know, long-term sustainability. It's about developing habits that you can take through the next 20, 30, 40 years that are going to lend to a lifestyle that you're proud to live. They're going to lend to a physique that you're proud to have. And they're going to help you live a long ass time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really for the majority of you and even Ashley and I and anybody else who's in the profession, if you focus on quality and then quantity and just keep it as simple as that and not overcomplicate the conversation and make sure it's done in that order, quality first, then quantity, you're going to be in a really good place. Uh, Especially if you have someone that's helping you stay accountable and develop those habits. Uh, In terms of fitness, I would say the biggest takeaway is that you have to go out there and do it in terms of different training methodologies and programs. You have to experiment and see what works best for you. Obviously, you and I are biased to, hey, Ballistic is the most effective program out there on the market. It allows you to train for a long time. It allows you to recover adequately, and it's sustainable, right? And it's going to produce results. But some people might not like the style of our program. Some people might not like weight training in general. Maybe they're more prone to cardiovascular exercise or maybe it's just spinning or maybe it's just yoga whatever group classes you've got to find what you enjoy and what works for you because that's how you're going to stay stick with it Mm -hmm. and then also with that there are better ways to do things like you don't have to stay with the program or the class or the membership that is beating the hell out of you or that you're not enjoying or that you're struggling to see results with. There is a method to the madness of of creating training programs and there are some that work and there are some that don't. So if you're not in a good place, you're not happy, you're not seeing the results you want, it's not sustainable, be willing to cut ties and and move on from there. Mm -hmm. And try something else. Exactly. I think those I are my two big that. takeaways. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> uh, anything else that you want to add? I don't believe so. I think that pretty much wrapped it up. Cool. Well, thanks for letting me interview you. Of course, babe. These you are just all conversations we've had throughout the, the years. <laughs> did, you I, learn, I did. did you learn anything? Yeah. 
like a lot at the beginning. What did you learn? I didn't know you went to that strength coach. And <laughs> there were other things, so now I forget them. She learned one thing. No, there were other <laughs> things at the beginning. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Not only did they learn something new, you learned something new. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to me talk for the last however long it's been. I think we're, <laughs> we're probably borderline 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening each and every week. And if you have any topics that you want us to cover, any ideas for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. You know, drop them in the comments when we put this on Instagram or on uh, Facebook. You know, send us direct message on Instagram, whatever it takes. Email us. We don't care. Let us know your ideas because we're more than happy to check them out and create those episodes for you because our goal is ultimately to bring you guys as much value as possible. Uh, Ash, thank you for taking the time to interview me today. It was awesome. And I think we can tell everyone to be on the lookout for your story. Yeah. Up, right? Yep. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for today. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, Ashley and I are so grateful that you're tuning in each and every week. And if you haven't done so already, go to iTunes and leave us a review. That's how we appear in more search results. That's how we reach more people and change more lives through this platform. So please, please, please head over there and do that for us. As we mentioned at the end of the episode, if you have any questions or any topics that you would like us to cover in future episodes, do not hesitate to reach out. Send us a DM on Instagram. Drop them in the comments on Facebook. Whatever it takes to get a, a hold of us, we will be here listening and ready to create that episode or answer those questions in a future episode. Aside from that, we hope you guys have an incredible day and we will see you next time.